Nice. I'm looking up Bendigo now. Dalesford is where you want to go. That's the spot. Like people, people go spell there. That. Huh? How do you spell that? D a y l e s Dalesford. Yeah. That's where you. Oh, Dalesford. Yeah. Oh, where's that? That's that, that's further down south. Oh man. That's lit. What is that like a lake? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking in the middle of like the mountains and stuff. Hmm. I'm zooming out. Oh yeah. Oh, it's not that you're not that far from Melbourne. Oh, that's closer to Melbourne than you are. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of people do that. A lot of people that's a massively popular trip. Yeah. I'm just trying to think where I've actually been. I don't think I've been north of Melbourne really at all. <laughs> that's well, there's a lot of cool spots there. Like people leg- legitimately people go to Dalesford. From interstate, uh, it's a thing apparently. That's cool. How long you lived in Bendigo for? Uh, I don't know. Seems like forever. Well, I haven't though. It's like most of my working kind of time. Yeah. Is Dave? He hasn't joined. No. Um, we've got a YouTube channel now. I think that's good. I mean, like. I don't, I mean, I have, like, people like Joe Rogan. If Joe Rogan has an episode on, I'll tend to watch it, not listen to it. Really? Like, while you're doing something else? Because my YouTube is, um, I've got background playing. Like, I pay for YouTube. Oh, the red thing or whatever it's called? Ooh. Yeah, I think, I don't know what it's called now, but, like, it's background audio. So, mm. otherwise, you have to be, you can't sort of have it doing other things, like, yeah, so podcast slash video thing as well. So you'd listen to it while you're working, like if you're going to watch a Joe Rogan yeah, episode, you you mainly be listening to it now in the background of on my on my Mac or something, you know. Yeah. Okay. Or I, as I scroll through, you know, YouTube, it's on there. Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. I I never listen to podcasts on YouTube, but I don't like to listen to anything while I'm working. Really. I just don't like to work. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I just don't call it work. I just play, you know, I fucking tinker. Dude, you're you're like the most responsive person on like online that I've ever come across in my life. It's probably <laughs> But yeah, I'm always usually around. Dude, is this are you in a different room? Dave, come in. What's happening? No, I can't hear you. I think he's talking. I can't hear him. Has he got a State of Origin jersey on? <laughs> you probably don't care about Origin, do you? No. That's fair. They actually played it in Adelaide, which is weird. AFL only. Uh, how's this? There we go. Nice. Oh, no. I, I thought that was a State of Origin shirt. That's not a State of Origin shirt. It's just the right color, though. No, this is a uh, this is a West Ham shirt. We uh, won the Europe Europa Conference League uh, yesterday, and uh, first major European trophy in fifty eight years, something like that for for West Ham. So up the mighty hammers! Wow, is that the one that um, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds? Who did Ryan? Oh, that's Reynolds? Wrexham, isn't it? Yeah, that's Wrexham. Nah, I've been um been a West Ham fan my whole life. My uh, one of my best mates uh, in primary school, a kid I've known for pretty much since I was five years old. 
his uh, dad grew up across the road or, you know, in the same suburb as Upton Park, which was the original West Ham home ground um, in London. And so we were at a very small primary school um, in Adelaide and there wasn't too many sports that we could choose to play. Um, and fortunately, uh, my mate Dan, his dad uh, was a soccer fanatic just because he was from London and, and, uh, and so he coached the local soccer team. So we were kids and, and, and we followed West Ham. We, we used to go around to his house and there'd be posters of, you know, uh, Paolo Di Canio and all of these famous West Ham players on the wall. And so diehard West Ham fans. So there you go. And we finally won something. It's been a long That's time cool. coming. All I know about soccer is from watching Ted Lasso. I finished it last night. I think right. West Ham's in Ted Lasso. I, that's what that's what I thought. Yeah, I think they're the team that they play. I think well, I've only yeah. just season two, so don't give it away. Oh yeah, no. I'm not. Give, I'm not giving it away. I actually haven't watched it, so I uh, I don't have. I think mean, is it Stan? It's on. I don't know. Apple. So it's on Apple. Yeah. Sorry. Oh well, I would have it then. I don't know why I haven't watched it. I made the mistake of buying a Roku TV the other day because I because I because so I'm selling my house and I have a, a media room which I've never used. And I, I wanted to put like a decent TV in it. So I bought this TV, the biggest one that I could buy that was like the cheapest. It was like 800 bucks for this. I think it's 75 inch. I know it's fucking huge, but it uses Roku, which I didn't know anything about this. I just thought they all use Android, hmm. but this uses Roku and it doesn't have half of like the apps that you need on there. I thought Roku used Android. I don't know. Like it doesn't have, it doesn't have like, um, like big ones, like, um, yeah, right. The one with like binge, that's got all the HBO shows on it. Yeah. Got like Succession. Yeah, yeah. I think you can that. add. I think you can add apps to it because I've got a uh, Roku Telstra box thing from ages ago, and we had to add. I remember having to add apps to that. So I don't, I don't think know. you can add. Well, I, but I tried that. I don't, I don't think you can add like binge or even maybe Ko, like the two that I use the most. You can definitely get Ko on there because I've. Oh, maybe you can't. I don't know. Anyway. I'll have to look into it. Okay. Well, there's there's some advice for anyone listening. Don't buy a Roku TV. That's my experience. Eight hundred bucks was so cheap. Cheapers. It was eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Huge yeah. TV. Um. Yeah, all right. So. So you go, Jared. I'm just looking. It's not on. It's binges in an app by the looks of it. Oh, there you go. And that's the one with all. That's that. Did you guys watch Succession? Yeah, it's the best show that I've ever watched. Best show I've ever watched. You fin- do you finish it? Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Is it that good? I haven't watched it. It's that it's good. Possibly one of the best episodes ever towards the middle part of the last season. Is I mean, it better than The Wire? Well, I think The Wire is my favourite show of all time, obviously because of hip-hop culture and whatever. But, you know, it's damn good. The yeah. Wire, like- Can you say what the episode is without giving it a, without kind of putting a spoiler in? On a plane, you would know. Oh, yeah. Fucking hell. That was Jesus Christ. That's such an intense show, man. And then I would, like, watch the show and then I'd listen to the podcast because Kara Swisher does a podcast where she interviews the dudes. And then my TikTok is, like, filled with all of this extra information from the show about, like, the deep level of detail they go into with the costumes and with, like... You, you, have you seen those TikToks where it shows the actual script and then it shows like what the actor says, like that kind of content? Stuff too. It was, yeah, they're really, what's that called where they go off script? Improvise. That I didn't realise that a lot of the scenes had heavy improvisation in it. Makes it even more impressive. It's mad. And and almost all the actors are not, like the main actors are not American. 
But one's an Australian. She's from Adelaide. Sarah Snook is an Aussie. I've never even heard of her before. She, I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not an American, so I, I don't know if it's like when we hear an American doing an Aussie accent and it's just terrible. But she sounds like she's American, and her partner on the show is English. I think Greg's English as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's from Adelaide, so yeah, I, I'd never even heard of her until this show, and it, I didn't even know at the time until ages after that I'd been watching an Aussie in that role. Damn, she's incredible. She's probably the best one on there. Maybe I don't know. I wrote. I went to TBT and said because one of my friends was saying, "Oh, why, why should I watch it?" And I said, "Can you explain to a business owner why they should watch Succession? Like they're an entrepreneur." And it gave me a list of the reasoning. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, like, and then they say, well, I don't care about any of that stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> well, they, it's not yeah, watch a show that matched with their life, you know? Yeah, but it's it's more just. Just a good drama. It's just a good drama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to give an update of what we're working on this week because we kind of realized we forgot to do that the last three episodes. <laughs> Fair enough. Who wants to go first? Well, you can tell us about what's happening with the master. Okay, yeah. Well, I don't have too many updates. So I'm so basically what I'm doing is I've got I've got WP Master, I've got three or four clients, and I'm kind of just making sure I do, do a good job for them. And I'm planning on because I basically don't have an income at the moment. I'm planning on building that up a little bit, but also buying this small hosting business just so I've got a bit of a recurring income. Um, but I can't buy that until my house settles which is in about a month and a half. Um, so I'm kind of in a little bit of a li- bit of limbo. I'm kind of hoping it doesn't sell to someone else yeah. and and sort of thinking maybe I could kind of negotiate something where I'm like, I'll just, you know, finalize the price and just have it settle on the same day, that type of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where that's out. And I don't want to, I don't want to really promote, well, I don't need money really to market the service, but also, what I want to do is kind of acquire a client base and then do a good job for them and market to them as a kind of a low hanging fruit type way, rather than kind of going out and running Google ads or whatnot. Yeah. Um, can you do letters to int- letters of intent in the platform that you've seen this on the sale, the purchase. Um, I think it's, I think it's come off. It was on Flipper. I think it's come off there now, but I've been, I've been, I figured out who owned the thing and I've been messaging the guy one-on-one. Yeah, because I know like when I sold a startup last year, the letter of intent started the process and that must have been at least six weeks of nonsense between then and the actual closing of it. Oh, really? I don't know. This was on my acquire.com, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, that even though it agreed, it still took quite a while before it actually had to be paid. What was the what was the holdup? Was just just well, it was letter of intent, but then it was due diligence process. It was like they put through their list of questions. I had to do the list of answers, you know, yeah. how much is how much custom like prove all the stuff that had been claimed. Um, and then once they agreed and ticked it off, then it was kind of like escrow process. And they, that took a while too, the typical escrow thing. Yeah, right. Escrow.com, I think people use for that, which seems archaic and old, but anyway. Yeah, that yeah. Um, I'll I'll have to ask him because I think it's come off Flipper, but he knows my situation and knows knows everything, and I've I've gotten a lot of the information out of him already. Plus, it's it's quite quite a small thing. It's not like it's not like a huge acquisition. I know when I sold WP Curve, that process was like 
I'm just trying to think. Probably like seven, eight months. It was a long time. Oh. Yeah. It was a long time. Can't say anything doing it too, probably. What's that? Couldn't really talk about it either. Couldn't talk about it. And it almost fell through so many times. Like, yeah. like basically at a company like that, you've got like basically one guy who is in charge of M&A. This is GoDaddy. And he's decided he, for whatever reason, you know, he wants to acquire this company. Um, and we got about three. Actually, what happened was we started talking to, um, what are they called? Envato? You know Envato, the Aussie yep. company? Still use them. Yeah, we, we started talking to them and we went through that process for like three months. And then at the end, they pulled out and said they weren't interested anymore. Hmm. So we went through all of that. And I, I kind of just, maybe in, in hindsight, they were just trying to get information out of us and trying to work out, you know, just work out if they want to get into that line of business or something. I've, I've no idea. But anyway, they pulled out. So then we were just burnt from that. And so then we found this deal with GoDaddy. And then that started like six, seven month process of doing that. But anyway, about halfway through the process with GoDaddy, the guy who'd lined it all up and we'd been to America, we had it all locked in. We had contracts going back and forth. He got fired. <laughs> and this was this was like six months into the whole Envato GoDaddy thing. It was like, by that point, we were just out. We were just like, this is happening. You know, there's no way this is not happening. We'd already thought about what we're doing with the money. Like it was just, if I had fallen through, it would have been such a disaster. Um, anyway, thank God it didn't. The, the new guy. WP customer until they took over. What's that? I was a WP Curve customer until they took over and we had to do the process to get, I can't remember what it was, set up and re reconnect our billing or something. Yeah. And that's when I that's when I left. So I, was I think with- a lot of people did because I, I didn't even really hear much from anyone, but then I Googled it like a few years after and then I just found like heaps of stuff, people tweeting saying they're unhappy and yeah. Never made sense to me what they... I mean, I get that you build a business with teams and processes and and things, but I don't know. Like, do they even use? Is it still around now? I think it is. I, I think it is because I saw it the other day. But I don't. I don't know. It's such a minute thing for a company like GoDaddy. It doesn't make sense to me either. Was it was just very, yeah. They're they're huge, aren't they? Yeah. Fuck yeah. They're fucking massive. Multi billion dollar company. Yeah. Good story though. Yeah. Mad. Um. Anyway, yeah. So that's my update. Oh, and and also I'm a I'm a viral TikTok influencer now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Take us through that. So how did you even come up with doing this? Was this something oh that's God. been boiling away in the works for a while with this uh, superstardom? I can't I can't even say that with a straight face. It's so funny. Basically, basically what <laughs> what happened is we we like cooking, right? I'm no good at it. My, my partner Aaron is very good at it, and we just have fun doing it. And I think I made a video because I, I start seeing these TikTok videos and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I made one for my own. I made a couple of videos of us cooking at home, just chucked it on TikTok, didn't really do anything. And then I made one like putting a fair bit of effort into it as in like not a huge amount of effort, but like doing a voiceover and like, you know, actually recording it properly and doing this uh, viral like um, Big Mac taco thing. That's what we made. And I put it on my account. And I put it on, so I put it on my TikTok and on my Instagram and it got like 5,000 views. And so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe people like this kind of stuff. So for the next one, we made this video and 
I was like, well, I'll put it, I'll create our own account and just do, do like, because it's Dan and Aaron. So we put cook with Darren. It's just a fucking joke. We just, it was literally just a joke. And I was going to put it on my TikTok because I have 350 followers on there. But I was like, I'm just, for whatever reason, I was like, I'll just create a new account. So the new account literally had zero followers when we posted it. And the Instagram had zero followers. And I posted it, didn't think too much of it. We went to sleep, <clears throat> woke up the next day and Aaron shows me a phone and it's got 40,000 views on this new account. And we had like 90 followers. And I was like, that's fucking wild. And all throughout, and, and that was just, like that was just coming into like, during the day in America, or like afternoon in America. And then this, and then it just fucking took off. And we got like now it's it's over 830,000 views now. Mental. Oh. It's almost it's gonna fucking probably hit a million views. Oh, it will for sure. At that trajectory. So crazy. And then we did we did, and it's got like like this is so crazy. I've always wondered what it would be like to have. You know, have like social media with like celebrities where they got so many followers. It's like, how the hell do they keep up with it? Yeah. And it's literally impossible. Like every time I got on here, I'll show you this. This is like activity feed in TikTok. So it's, I should just share my screen, but that's like, doesn't it? All of that is like people have liked, people have followed, people have commented. All of that is just like a couple of hours. That's two hours right there. All of that. Oh, wait, it's cut off. But yeah, like every, if you log in every 10 or 15 minutes, I would be logging in and there'd be like 100, 200 notifications of people who'd liked, favorited or commented on the video. It's got 800 comments on it. Mm. It's insane. What's the ingredient of it? Like, cause I, I, and I, when I looked at it, I thought it was good. This is before I knew it went viral. I'd seen it on something. I probably and, shared it on my, my Instagram because I'm like, I've got a few followers. And it was good content. Like, but the thing that I was most interested in is I reckon it looked delicious. Yeah. Like that looked like something I could make. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And we did another one two days ago and that one's only got a thousand. It's got 1200 views, which is kind of not bad either, really. Like it's a brand new account. Um. But yeah, I'm just, I'm gonna keep doing them and see what happens. We've got three thousand six hundred followers now in, in like three days. Yeah, that's wild. That's awesome. I think like you kind of hit it there, Jared. Like, if it looks makeable to the average person, they'll be like, "Oh, we should make this and share it with their partner, right?" Mm -hmm. And that immediate share just goes, duh, 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 duh. and then that's how you get that exponential kind of growth in it. I think when people see things and they're like, that looks amazing, but there's no way in hell I'm ever making that. It loses that opportunity to kind of catch that viral curve. Yeah. Um, Which but yeah. If your um, gourmet level of craft probably drops down a little bit, but the cookability is probably the goal. Yeah. Simple yeah. things like cook would be shareable. Mm. Yeah. I'm just trying to think what I watch on there. Like I like seeing stuff like that that's easy to cook, but also kind of appreciate watching like someone who's really good cook something really nice. Oh yeah. That's that's a whole type of content though, I think. But I reckon the reason yours worked was because it was very achievable. That I that looked very cookable. Yeah. I mean. Whereas in the other one, did you make dough or something? I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. Yeah, true. The other one may be too complicated. And I didn't like do a close-up of the food either. I think. I think like the reactions and stuff go really well and like close up with the food and yeah, story, I don't know. What was the story, that first one? I mean, I didn't, I can't even remember the other one, but that was a good hook with Will at the start. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good things in that, that piece of content. 
It's so funny. Hey, TikTok is wild. Like if you think about like that never would have been possible before. It still wouldn't be possible on any other platform. Like it must be just so smart that it just shows shows a new audience. I mean, it has to only show new people because we had zero followers. And whoever it showed it to, like it must have been smart enough to know that this was a food, a cooking. Like I didn't put hashtags on it. So like obviously the algorithm could tell that it was a cooking video yeah, because it's only put it in front of people who are into cooking. And there was a lot of like Aussie references in it and a lot of people commenting about some of the Aussie stuff. So it was smart enough to put it either in front of Aussies or in front of Americans who are kind of think Aussies are fun, you know. And then it's smart enough to know that if the first few people it puts in front of don't skip it straight away, then it just puts in front of more and more and more people. Yeah, I was I was intrigued by your process because I started maybe two or three weeks ago uh, a TikTok account for a mobile app that we have. It's kind of its own brand. It's, you know, it's been around for years. And I'm like, why? Because there's a lot of PE teachers that use TikTok, but I don't have any TikTok kind of. So I, rather than made it for our big, our main brand, I made it as like its own little account that just talks about that mobile app. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I I just posted a couple of videos and they haven't gone anywhere crazy like yours, but they're still they still get quite a lot of views. Mm. A thousand views on a couple of these videos that um you put out just by hitting publish. It's That's, interesting, isn't it? I know on TikTok they count a view as if it plays at all on your, you're on right. your screen. So like you know, a thousand views on TikTok is not the same as a thousand watches of a YouTube video, not even close. Yeah, for sure. But if it is putting it in front of someone, then something's happening there. You know, the algorithm is deciding to put it in front of that person. So at that point, it's either good enough content for them to watch or they're just going to skip it. Motivating. Crazy, eh? <laughs> I'm going to do more for sure because it's the kind of content we could make heaps more of because it's fun and it's like kind of shit we just do all the time. Well, I reckon like the other little part of that is the uh, the, the reaction up front, right? That little clip mm. of the reaction up front is the hook and then you want to see, well, how did, what, how did you get that reaction, right? Yeah. So I notice a lot of the, you know, the good content creators do put like a bit of a hook at the start and it's kind of something that's made its way into digital media a lot more recently um, 100%. because of the attention span, right? So uh, there's a bit of a phenomena now with music and Spotify artists basically just placing the chorus just at the front of the song. Sure. They'll literally write the song and then they'll just grab the chorus, five seconds in, you're into the chorus and that's your hook. And then the rest of the song, you either continue to listen to or you switch songs. And it's basically because they... Uh, Spotify required you to have 30 seconds of a listen for it to count and get paid. Hmm. And so they figured out that if they put the, the real, the, the best bit of the song at the front, most people get 30 seconds into the best bit of the song. Interesting. Yeah. And, and also probably the bit of the song that ends up on TikTok and goes viral and the bit that people remember when they come back to listen to the song. Yeah. So essentially songs are 30 seconds long now and the rest of it's just, you know, filler. That's um, my question mad. Dan, is when, when is your um, course coming out? For like talk expertise, like I expect that you know trip tripwire funnel through to like you know ninety nine dollar upsell expert kind of course. Is that coming? That, that is that is not coming. It'll be there'll be way too much content out of me just making a joke out of the whole thing. Then 
that I could make money on it. But there, I'm sure there's people milking that kind of thing at the moment, wouldn't they? They would love that opportunity to, to monetize. Oh, my God. I mean, when, when, when like, yeah, like you think of like people who call themselves like Instagram experts and shit like that, and they're like, like you look at their account and they've got like 3,000 followers. Like it's pretty rare for, for people to, and the other thing with TikTok is it's all cumulative. So like if you look at, my account's already got 50,000 likes after two, like two videos and that accumulates. So like that stat always sits on your profile. So if we just, if we just do like a hundred videos over the next, you know, few months or whatever, that number's going to get to huge. And you could just, you can see like, I've got a million likes on TikTok and that could be like a proof thing. But is it, is it relative though? So like, therefore everybody on TikTok would have the same advantage. This, well, if they're, if they're getting traction. Yeah. But the, mm. the thing is with content is like, like I've always thought with video, I'm no good at it. I, I don't really know what to put out there. I've just never really done it. I've got my own TikTok account. I never know what to put on there. Like you were saying, Jared, like like your main brand, does it even make sense to be on that platform? Like this is the first time when I've done a video where like all of it just kind of makes sense. Like it's the kind of structure of a video that suits me and suits the platform, right? But most people it's really hard to find that. Like with all my other business, I haven't been able to find that. I couldn't really figure out video with Black Ops. I couldn't do it with my personal brand stuff. I just never really could find that sweet spot. And I think there's, you know, you lean into the fact that um, you're just doing it anyway because it's fun. So the outcome doesn't really matter, whereas you're not forcing anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think the second video might have been a bit too forced. And I think what you said about food as well was like not – it didn't focus on the food as much. So I'm going to do one tomorrow. I'm going to Brizzy tomorrow. I'm going to do, we're going to go to the markets. I'm going to make a steak sandwich. And I'm going to do like a close-up of the food and then go to eat it, but not do the reaction until the end of the video and see if that like gets people hooked in and to watch the reaction at the end. Awesome. Yeah, I like it. Can't yeah. wait to see it. All right, I'll <laughs> report back next week and see if I've got another million <laughs> views on TikTok. <laughs> what have you been up to, Jared? You got an update? Um, you know, I mean, this week I've been using, I guess, AI tools as kind of like a coding co-pilot. I'm not like a developer, but I can, I've always been able to converse in that language, you know, like I can hire people for any tech development kind of work and we build apps and whatnot. But um, so it's kind of getting to the point where if you can explain it, you can kind of get, you know, you can kind of build it. Can you Blow give us an example? Because you, you message us during the week with one thing you're working on. Yeah. So, I mean, like like for me, we run a membership for PE teachers. It's like 10,000 members, you know, that pay for it and have free accounts and whatnot. So we just build tools that are useful to them and we could have put them all in one package. That's the context, I guess. So if you're a PE teacher, like something that you do all the time is you put people into teams and come up with a drawer and those sorts of things. So, you know, I thought, could I build a team generation, like draw generation tool that you say how many teams you need and how many playing areas and et cetera, generate a draw that takes into account those parameters. And I did, and I built it with chat GPT. Like this isn't me hiring a developer, which is what I've always done for stuff where the, then you've now got to make it make sense financially like, does it make sense to spend $1,000 to build a tool like that? Maybe not. 
But if I can build it for free, which is what I did, um, and kind of put it in a membership, then it's a whole different ball game. So how? So how? Well, a couple of questions. One, what is what is the thing you build? Is it like a web website? It's not like a, a mobile app, is it? You could do that, but this this particular tool that I built was literally in. I'll just bring it up. Share my screen. I keep forgetting we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, just in ChatGPT, there's plugins that people may or may not be aware of. So this um, is the paid version, right? Yeah, it's worth every cent paying yeah. for it. You can see it now, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is the output. Yeah, so I'm using a plugin at the top here called Deploy Script. And I literally just did that. I'd like to make a round robin generator. It should take into account the number of teams, the number of playing areas, and then give them the ability to name the teams. That's the prompt I gave it. And it's able to construct this little mini app widget kind of out of that, create the HTML, the CSS, et cetera. But the key is it actually deploys it. And that's what the plugin does. So typically, yeah, you would have to take that code and package it yourself and put it somewhere, but like it it gives you the URL. You just what? say this now. And that's that's what it built. And I went through a few conversations with it over a kind of time. Like, I like this, change that, make it more modern. And this is what we ended up with. Now it's insane. So how how did it get from their their server to your server? So I'm using an iframe tool. Oh. To embed it into my site. That's insane. Um, so this is just sitting on that thing that it, it hosted. For now, like I, that's why I ended up asking for the actual code so that we could deploy it on our own platform. At the moment, it's just an iframe in a WordPress site. But yeah, I like went through and just conversed with it and said, you know, please modernize with material design. And that's like a design framework that, you know, is typically used in web components. And that's what it's looking at now. So, you know, I can say number of teams, number of rounds. Let's do six. We have two playing areas, yellow. I can't even think of the color. Blue. Blue. Green, blue. <laughs> maroon. And how do you even spell that? Maroon? That's the one. <laughs> yep. Something like that. And then generate. And, and wow. then PDF. Now, I bet that would seem like insane but for me it's like what can we build that's value adding to the people that we work with and now the barrier to be able to build those things is literally have a conversation with them in in chat is this deploy thing a paid plugin well if you pay for chat gpt you get access to all the plugins so um, this like, that's basically free hosting free app hosting yeah yeah, so you could like I mean we we were just talking about this throughout the week that you could you just your imagination is sky like sky's the limit. You can say let's can we build an app that allows people to put in um, their website URL and get you know SEO suggestions from it. Like that's an example of you know you can mm. start to build these little mini kind of lead gen tools for your business. And that's kind of what I build those things for. It's like, how can I get lots of traffic to our site from the right audience to use a tool that's better than just like a blog post that they read? Does that kind of make sense? Is like how we, how and why we do it. That's insane. But the barrier for that now is like, just have a conversation with it. Um, 
So what are we building, Dave? We're building a a meme maker. Yeah. Um, yeah, really basic meme maker. It's a, you know, grabs an image and then you can add, you know, your text to the image and, and it spits out a customized meme, essentially. So we could build something right now and it's just a matter of prompting it. That's so crazy. What what other plugins do you find useful? Does it have, it's got like a web browsing plugin, doesn't it? Yeah, yep. So I mean, the web I've I use these are default chat with GP chat with PDF, so you can upload a PDF and say, "Tell me about it." So you can put the PDF for your seven day startup book into it and say, "Use this as the framework." Tell me about the book now. Write me my course outline. Yeah. Make sense. So, like, um, show me, create and edit diagrams directly in chat. Oh, that's cool. Um, I don't know. What can we make a diagram about? Diagram on. How does it know you're on that plugin right now? You select them. Well, so- okay. Do take take the sports one. Keep going with that, Jared. Go. Can you make a bracket, a diagram for a uh, a competition bracket? Uh, for eight teams. Um, let's see what it does. Pretty sure it'll know to use that plugin. Yes. So you don't, you don't even tell it to use that plugin. It's just available as its yeah, option. Enabled plugin in that particular chat. Huh. So people are building all these plugins now. It's like the new app store. That's crazy. The pass, you know, content between services and so whoever built that deploy script one they've just got some sort of like hosting um and you can talk and deploy your code um and that's kind of what i was doing just to test stuff and do they try and upsell you like do you have an account i bought bought, yeah i bought unlimited deploys yeah um, and it was like 14 dollars or something a month oh fucking jesus (laughs) so that's pretty good i could i could build that into into an actual code. Can we make this into a web app using deploy script where the user can select the number of teams and then the app makes a bracket? Oh, and in, can you just like input the, oh, here we go. I was going to say, can you like change the names and stuff, but that, that should kind of. That's writing the code based on that prompt. That's insane. So it's it's writing this code, not asking you any questions, and it's at some point it's sending this to a web server, setting up a database. Well, maybe not a database. Yeah, they're all simple, like little HTML, CSS, JavaScript kind of apps. Yeah. Being deployed, but um, then you just converse around it. So it doesn't look very good at the moment. But that's mm. insane. That's like I'd never used that, that script before, like that diagram thing. But I can think of a million scenarios where you could put in and say, I want to be able to visually articulate this idea. Yeah. Like a diagram for it. That's mad. Anyway, that happens. Someone else. Yeah. All right. We'll come back to it, see, see what it comes up with. What about you, Dave? What's news? Uh, so been working, um, doing a bit of branding for some clients, uh, one in the AI space, actually, we're working on a, um, AI tool to help venues, um, manage all of their, 
uh, processes better uh, by sentiment. So basically taking all of your emails, phone calls, messages, uh, reviews, like everything about your business that can exist in a digital space um, and then put that through an engine and then basically you can see what your venue needs to uh, action um, and who to importantly get it actioned by. Um, so really that's a, it's quite an interesting use of, of AI and in, in importantly, like the sentiment kind of stuff that you can do with that. Um, so I've been working on helping them. Um, and then, uh, I actually got really interested after our last, uh, episode around what Photoshop could do with, uh, <laughs> with, with AI, uh, and the, and their new feature. Um, and so I started playing around with that and. Um, actually got really deep into um, what like prompt engineering was and the whole world of prompt engineering and just how important that is depending on what tool you use uh, and what you want to achieve um, because out the box, a lot of these things sort of, you know, depending on how you prompt them can give you the widest range of results, right? And I think one of the things that I noticed was that a lot of the uh, videos that were, um, showing you know the, the Photoshop stuff in, in particular um, when you actually tried it yourself with the photo that you had it did not work like it showed, showed all those TikTok and uh, yeah. Instagram influencers using oh hey just extend this picture and here's mm. your image and it's perfect out the gate um, a lot of that you know is obviously like very selective by Adobe of what they they're choosing to share um, early doors and it took me uh you know a good couple of days to really figure out like just what worked what didn't um and then going down that you know rabbit hole of prompt engineering like it's pretty awesome so like were you looking you know, at courses the, or like what were you doing what was i what sorry were you like completing courses on it or no i was basically so you know I was an early mid-journey user so but i hadn't used the platform for a long time so i, I reactivated my mid-journey account you have to pay um, for that now, right? It's not free. Yeah, you have to pay for that. Um, that most of the good ones you have to pay for. Stable Diffusion is really the only one that you don't have to pay for. Um, but that gives very limited results compared to, um, you know, Dali E or uh, Mid Journey. Um, yeah, Mid Journey. Photoshop. Um, so we also figured out that um, it depends on the content library too. So Photoshop's content libraries from Adobe Stock Images. So that's all they can reference. They can't reference what, you know, say um, the, the Dali E reference library is. Um, and it's also really like you can't put in certain things on the Adobe one uh, into Photoshop. It won't let you. It's a breach of their user terms and conditions. So you're bound by um, the user license agreement with Adobe. So things like celebrities, you can't, they won't, it won't let you generate a celebrity name within Adobe Photoshop, for example. What do you mean? Uh, it says it's a breach of our using conditions. What do you mean a name? So like, say I like um, put Leonardo DiCaprio's head on this image. Won't um, let you do it. Okay, I see. Yeah. All right. So, but for everything else, mid-journey, you know, these other ones, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty uh, endless and... But then the, the prompting itself, right? Like, so how you write your prompt, what language you use, um, there's specific little kind of, uh, you know, almost code that you can input to tell it to do things like 
make when you generate the image, make this the number one focus, um, and then this element the second focus. Um, you can set camera lenses, you can set lighting, you can set all of these different parameters to generate an image using these little prompts. And once and they, they get quite long and quite extensive um, if you really want a specific image. And that's when you get the best out of these. And so um, I think that there's going to be, you know, we, we hear a bit about like the, the prompt engineers and and how, you know, kind of that's a pretty um, emerging field in terms of the demand for really good prompt engineers. And I think that's going to increase as the complexity of these tools increases. And mm. to what we were going back to last episode, um, you know, asking these tools to do very specific things to get specific outcomes is going to be the domain of these prompt engineers. That's kind of like you become a prompt engineer rather than a designer. And maybe or that's... Or a developer, right? And maybe that's the... Um, where I wasn't really... I was seeing... I was taking a step back and seeing a broader picture of like how it would interrupt, but not much... Not so much from like a just a technical level of like what I would have to do as a designer to change what I'm creating for my clients per se, if they wanted to go down that route. So yeah, I think that was really interesting for me um, because it gets, it does get quite technical quite quickly. And if you're not really like researching it and learning about it and you're going to miss like a ton of the stuff that's like under that tip of the iceberg that really makes uh, using these tools um you know, sets you apart from just like a person getting in there and just hitting click generate image, no prompt. You know, what's going to be really interesting about this is like, if you, if you think that the, you know, to take Jared's point, if, if, if you don't, don't have developers anymore, but you just have people prompting AI to create code, then what you're saying is these people are going to have to know a language of sorts, which is not going to be a programming language, but it'll be the language of that particular AI, it's going to need to know all the details of all the shit you talked about. So it's almost going to be like the people that were coders and all those same skills will be prompt prompters and they're still going to have to know a language, mm -hmm. but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be written in English, but they're going to have to know the language of that AI. But what's going to be different is it's going to change so fast. Like if you, if you knew PHP, I learned PHP like <clears throat> 15 years ago hasn't changed that much. I can still see PHP, it's the same. You know what I mean? But this stuff is going to change so fast that you're going to need to learn, effectively learn a language to get really good at it and then just constantly relearn all the changes they make to be at that like tip of the iceberg in terms of like skillful prompt engineer at that particular AI. Yeah, definitely. And I think like the machine learning part of it to me as well goes hand in hand, right? So it's one thing to prompt a you know, an AI model to give you a result, but it's another thing to teach it new things. And I think that that's where there's going to be a real opportunity for people who understand how to get, you know, the best out of an AI uh, engine, um, the ability to teach it, to be able to teach itself better, um, to learn what's usable, what's not, um, to create that sort of side of things is going to be, going to be pretty interesting. Mm. And, um yeah i think that that's just a really really open that's just to blue ocean territory that one that's it's pretty cool 100 percent. and these these tools especially the text-based ones are so primitive in many ways like the um i've noticed with bard because i've been i've been doing you know helping clients out with wordpress and that but also with like setting up google analytics and tracking and e-commerce transactions that kind of stuff 
And, you know, because Google Analytics has completely changed. And so I've been using Bard to kind of help me through the process, but I've found quite often it will, it'll do shit like, I'll say, how do you do this particular thing in Google Analytics 4? And it will tell you all the things that you do. And then I'll look at it and be like, I don't have that option. And then go back to it and say, I don't have this option. And it will go back to you and say, yeah, you're right. That doesn't exist in Google Analytics 4. So it's 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 almost it's so primitive that it like tells you one piece of advice and then admits that it was wrong like ten seconds later because you told it it's wrong. Yeah. So, but Bard's really interesting like that. Um, if you don't tell it to reference, like if you're not very specific with Bard, it'll revert to the prompt that you just gave it, right? So um, that's one thing where ChatGPT is intuitive in that it will always reference what you posted, or for the most part, always reference what your conversation was previously i've noticed that too yeah um so yeah i think that there's like and that is just an example of that that sort of the machine learning aspect and and how that is all set up at the back end so um the intuitiveness of it uh yeah definitely matters because you can go so far down a rabbit hole and then put the wrong thing in and you've just blown up your whole chat yeah true yeah all right jared just shared his app you've just built an app (laughs) You're muted, I think, Jared. <clears throat> have to unmute yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's primitive, but it's the starting blocks of what we kind of put in there as a prompt. I would go back to it and say, I want it to be done like that way. What's that called? Horizontal? No. Vertical, yeah. Vertical. Mm. Do it vertically and make it so you can put in the results and whatnot. But like I just spoke that into existence, and I think that that gap is just going to get narrower. Yeah, and also considering that you can just ask it for the code that it spit out and then you can just customize it yourself, right, if you wanted to. Yeah, like I've, I have a developer that I work with for a lot of stuff and I've now started to give them the idea as code. Like this is what I want to do. Here's some starting kind of blocks to build yeah, it. Yeah. Maybe I make my job a bit more affordable, like cheaper or I don't know, but um, mm. that's, that's just going to get narrower. Like I'll be able to say to it, I want to build an iPhone app that does X, Y, Z. And I think, you know, being able to deploy that to the store, that'll happen soon. Yeah, that's a big that's a big one to, um, that's a big jump to make, I feel like, mobile app and into the app store, at least into like the Apple app store. Do you think- oh, you still have to get it approved and stuff, yeah, but- um, yeah. Do yeah. you think then, like, that, that was going to be sort of my next question was that how, what kind of like gatekeeping does Apple do on that front? Like with just- you know, if they can pick up AI-generated apps, essentially. They wouldn't care about how it was coded, just whether it is functional and brings value to the app store. That's the basic premise. Like, does I couldn't put that in the app store. I mean, there's there's bracket apps, but it would need to be, it would need to have a minimum function to be appropriate. Um, otherwise, it's, they say just keep it as a PWA, progressive web app. Yeah. Which is... Anyway, I need to go because I've got an appointment in eight minutes down the town. <laughs> to do the beard again. Yeah. So I'll see you all next week. All right. I'm gonna can we keep the conversation going, Dave? Because I want to get your input onto this Apple Vision Pro thing. Oh, wait, oh, do, you yeah. need to, do you need to leave, Jack? If you leave, are we out? Hang on. I don't even know. You can change the host. Yeah. I must be a host anyway, because I'm recording here and I've got them. I've just made you host. Yeah, nice. Okay. And I'm gonna leave. Awesome. Cheers, man. Have a good week next week. I'll ch- chat to you on Friday. Bye. Catch you soon. Um, 
Yeah, well, I wasn't I was intending to make the most of the episode about this, but we rabbited on for fucking ages about something else. But um, <laughs> let me share this. Are you keen to talk about this quickly? Yeah, let's go. Let me share. Let's see if this works. Share sound. Can you see? Oh, actually, do you see? You probably see the whole thing, right? Yep. Wait, let me, let me, let me, let me. I'll just do the window. Where's the window? There we go. That one. Share sound. Okay. This is. You hear that? Yeah. Nothing but a dreamer. I'm guessing Can't this is just. Oh, this Tim Cook talk. Head, oh no. I said dreamer. You say you are a dreamer. Well, can you put That's so insane. Sitting down your lounge room with a massive. Oh, no. I, said, I can imagine oh, screaming from your face. And controlling it with your fingers. Is it? That's so crazy. Can you can you imagine having kids and just having like a fucking basically a VR headset on and also kicking the ball? Nah. The fucking the ads are just incredible. Right? Yeah, they'd want to be. I gotta try and sell this thing. I know. Anyway, I'll stop it. So the, the other reason I point I had this on there was Jcal's tweet there just to kick things off. So he says, Apple will win AR thanks to their app store. Meta will lose $65 billion funding the roadmap for R&D, eventually giving up on Oculus and, or spinning it out. What are your thoughts? <laughs> mm, I saw a tweet about this recently, actually. Um now, whether it was true or not, but it was a supposedly a snapshot of uh, Zuckerberg's email to Meta um, after the uh, the announcement and oh, okay. him outlining their very different takes on the, uh, the 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 vision for what I guess consumer headsets looks like. You know, and and the first one that we referenced was the the price point. Right, you know, this thing's ten x what a um, what an Oculus cost. Insane. It's, uh, it's nuts, right? Yes, so, mm, um, so who are they? Who are they targeting? Um, I mean, we we know from the way that Apple generally price their products that it's the top end of the market, right? It's a luxury brand as much as it is a a functional, um, you know, functional brand. Um, right, but it's normally sort of like 20 percent extra, <laughs> right? It, uh, that's it, you know, and even their phones are now almost par. Like if, if the, the new Google phone comes out or the new Android Samsung phone comes out and it's pretty much almost the same price. Yeah. Um, some of the Android ones, some of those Samsung ones are more, I think. They are, yeah. Mm. Um, and so I think the the whole... See, this is still where it gets me, right? That There's a lot of assumption that people are going to be wearing these 24-7. Like, oh, I've got a call coming in. I'm just going to tap on my headset like wait a minute you have to like you're not you're not already wearing it no. like you've got to go and 
pick it up, put it on, plug it in. Like there's too much friction to the user experience. Plus like it's got now. plus it's got two hour battery life. Plus it's a computer on your head that's heavy and it gets hot because it's a fucking computer. Yeah. And I hate wearing these things for longer than a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, am I going to wear them all day? Hell no. Um, I had the exact same thought because I, because I bought, uh, I bought like some nice headphones at an airport once. They're like 350 bucks. They're way better sound than my AirPods. Um, I use my AirPods, I would say potentially 10 times a day. Mm. And I use my nice headphones only ever when I travel, like probably once every six months, despite yep. them being way better because I don't want to put a massive thing on my head. I don't like the way they look. There's too much friction. You have to connect it again. It's just, it's something for traveling. And to me, something like this, that's where I reckon this, I can understand how this would make sense for traveling. Like like the AR, I wouldn't put a VR headset on if I was around other people. I just wouldn't do it. But I would put one of these things on because you can see out of them. And so if you're in a situation where you're like on a plane or a train or, you know, potentially at work where there's other people around but you feel reasonably safe, I'd think you would use this product, whereas I don't think you would ever use the VR product. And I reckon there's a bigger conversation here. Now, being a dad, that footage of the dad in the kitchen and then the son kicking the ball, I, it's that that almost breaks me as a father. I, like if I if that's the future, like I don't want any part of it. Like I like kids, kids are impressionable at best, and there's already a push for parents to put their phones down. Like, and that's just a phone. So right? crazy. And I am guilty of it myself, being on the phone way too much around my two who are watching me do it, and. It scares me. And I I like, you know, they're four and six and I'm finding myself now just switching it off, putting it away, like putting it in a cupboard, like forcing myself to not try and do that as much as I used to, um, partly because my wife was getting onto me so much about it um, yeah. and I wasn't really conscious of doing it. I was like always had the excuse of like, well, you know, like I have to be contactable. I live in a 24-7, you know, work environment. I've got clients all overseas, blah, blah, blah. But I was just making excuses basically to have it near me so I could access it when I wanted to. And I think that that kind of behavior um, is problematic for the future. And whether- well, what makes it worse with these things, if you could imagine you've got one on, but your kids have also got one on yeah, and sucks. you're seeing different things. So you can see each other in real life, but you, they're, they're probably watching one movie. You're watching another movie. You're working on something. You're not even doing- you, You're distracted, together, right? You, you're distracted like this with a phone. Mm let alone having something there like all the time. Like I like think about think about um when you're driving a car and your kids are talking to you when you're driving a car, how much that just is like like you, you can't even do that. Mm. Like and then people want to like watch movies, work, read the newspaper, cook dinner, and then kick football with their kids <laughs> at the same time. It's like we're A, we're males. We can do one thing one time yeah. at the same like that's it, right? But B, like, I, I don't, I don't understand that as a as a human. Why we need to be doing all of those things at the same time? Life's busy enough. Yeah, yeah. So you're not getting one then? Like, I, I mean, if it makes my experience with say, as you put in the chat this week, like, 
maybe there's a, you know, for example, like the football game, you know, that, mm. that was on. If I could have watched that, you know, through that and it gave me some kind of like more uh, immersive experience in the game and I could, you know, I had my five mates, we were on, we we're all watching the game together um, and we we're all chatting on WhatsApp, right? So if we could sit next to each other in a stadium environment and watch the game, like we were there, but we were not, because like my mate lives, two of my mates live in Adelaide, one lives in Port Lincoln, another but guy that's lives- But VR gives you that, doesn't it? You could get that for it a tenth can. of the price. You can, you can get it for a tenth of the price. Now, whether because of the, you know, as they said, like, you know, Jay Cal's tweet, whether that experience is going to be better through an Apple device, just because it's Apple and it's got the app store and maybe it's- optimized. I think the fact that it's AR and that you can see out of the goggles, like fundamentally changes what you would do with it. Is it just a? Is it just the introduction of like the reintroduction of Google Glass though? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that's a completely different use case. Like what you're describing is what Oculus is for. That's that's but if you're by yourself, you want to be completely blacked out from the world, but you want to only engage with people in a virtual world. Oculus gives you that for five hundred bucks. I've never used it, but apparently it's pretty clunky with a lot of this shit. But mm. um, what the vision gives you is the ability to interact in the real world. So like, like, like I was saying before, like if you're traveling, if, if I was on a plane, I would never put a VR headset on. I, I hate even just putting proper earphones on because the hostess has come over and your host come over and you know, you can't hear them. You imagine having, having a proper VR headset on, you can't even see them. They don't even know if you're awake. Like people around you, the plane's bumping. Like you just, I just would never do it. Whereas right. with these things, I would 100% wear these things because you can see out of them. So it's, it completely changes the use case away from but, like just you sitting at home by yourself in a room to doing things in everyday situations. Yeah, but here's the other side of that argument. What is the What if the air hostess was wearing them and you were not wearing them, right? Like how would you interact with people? Would you want to ask them a question? Do you know if they're even paying attention to you? Like, Well, you can see the that, eyes. But how do you know what they're looking at? <laughs> do you know um, what i mean so like so you know the big thing a while ago and i remember this was like you know not being on your phone in a shop right like going to the counter and you're basically like people were like on their phone just being super rude like they're on yeah. a call or that like and and there was kind of this societal thing of just like just don't be a dick like mm. get off your phone engage with the person who's there to serve you it's their day's hard enough as it is just give them a bit of humanity right don't ignore yeah. them I feel like this is going to, I feel like this does the same thing. It, it puts a barrier, right? Like a physical one in between you and the person that you're potentially talking to. Now, regardless of whether you can see through it or not, like it's pretty clear from that, like it's pretty damn hard to see in. Well, right? you can't actually see in. It's just cameras. So I, I, I honestly think that it's not problematic maybe as much as it is for the other person who's not wearing one. Yeah, but I, I think there's a, there's like a, a set of circumstances where this kind of thing would be considered appropriate. And those circumstances are going to expand and expand like they do with every other technology. But I don't think it, it's going to be a long time before it's appropriate to be walking around the street with these things on your head. Unless I'm just completely misreading it. I, I feel like that's still a fair way off because it's going to be, like you say, it's going to be weird. Like you're not going to want to communicate with someone with a fucking thing on their head, but, but- if you're yeah. traveling or if you're at work and other people have got them or if you're in a situation where you're not you're not sort of expected to necessarily engage with people but you want to be able to see people and engage with them if you have to then that would become more and more kind of accepted if you know what i mean 
yeah. I mean, until it reaches a level of like literally just, you know, neuro neural link implant it in your brain and you can see it through your eyeballs. The, I just, I don't know. I, I have a real fear that, that we're pushing the humanness out of technology. And Apple is really good at not doing that. Apple is really good at being bringing the humanity to technology by making mm. it so simple. And I think they've just missed the ball on this. I think they misread. Now, I, like, I could be missing the bigger picture. They could be like, we don't really give a shit about this particular thing. This is like a stake in the ground moment, right? Like, this is like, yeah. we're just going to do it and we're going to do land grabby and, you know, we're going to show you what we can do. But the real end game is like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the track, maybe it's something else, right? So maybe this is well, a the precursor. End is, the end game is a set of glasses that look inconspicuous, surely. Yeah, like, I mean, something like what I'm wearing, right? Exactly. Like the, the clear yeah. frames, the you can see the eyes, you can engage. Like, I mean, I just go back to the whole thing. It's like, like when you look at someone in the eye, it tells you everything about that person, right? Mm. It's, you get taught to, you get taught as a kid, like look someone in the eye when you're talking to them. Like that's not said lightly to children. Like you, this idea that you can... I don't know, in a physical environment, in a one-on-one -on -one space, in a when you're talking to somebody, that for me bring is is what it's about, right? Like I I I really think that as we learn more about like the psychology of these devices and what it does to people mentally, that we're gonna get more and more in tune with how we should use them responsibly yeah and i feel like that it's gonna the pendulum's gonna swing to less is more to mm. like to because i i i just i don't know unless we want to end up in a world where we just literally like sit in rooms individually in cubicles and get fed through a tube and don't even interact with each other yeah like matrixy ready player one yeah like, I, I don't know. And I don't, like, I don't know. I've seen too much of the world to want to put anybody in a box. I think that there's so much to explore out there. And if you're not actively trying to go and see as much as you can of this planet that we live on, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't get it. So that's just me. Um, I think the tech's amazing. Like, Yeah, the tech is, the, the tech is fucking amazing. But you, you see the, so the, the way the FaceTime thing works is you could be FaceTiming someone. So you can just see them obviously through your screen, mm. but they don't see you wearing a headset. They see like a, like a, an avatar or a persona or th something they call it of you with all of your hand movements and eye movements as if you weren't wearing anything. It's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt like the tech is incredible and yeah, as I said, like maybe it's a precursor to something that they've got bigger picture, but I, I just on the surface of it, like parts of that video just, just make me worry about how we yeah. connect as people. So, what, anyway. what about your thoughts on whether, like whether it will work? Because, because I know from the history of Apple bringing out products, everyone seems to get it wrong, and Apple always seems to get it right. Like. <clears throat> Remember when they bought the MacBook Air out, everyone complained about it not having a CD-ROM drive. And when they bought the AirPods out, 
people complained because they looked weird and they thought people wouldn't wear them. And then when they brought the iPhone out, people complained because they didn't have a stylus because the previous technology had styluses. And, and they, they do this every time and inevitably every time they're right because they've got they've just got an incredible intuition or data or whatever it is for giving people something they didn't know they wanted. You know, so I, I feel like they haven't done that this time. But I say that very reluctantly because they've pretty much never made a mistake on that front. They're, they're almost always right. But on this one, I just feel like this particular device, it's way too expensive. I don't think I'm, I don't think I know anyone who's going to buy one of these things because I think it's way too expensive. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, like, could be wrong. I, could be wrong. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to bet against Apple, no, just because of their track record. But I think also they, um, so. I, I think with, with, with the examples that you gave of those products, there was an understanding that the technology was being superseded, right? So that CDs wouldn't be a part of the future. So they were minimizing. Right. They were taking things away. They weren't mm. adding things. So they were taking away peripherals. They were taking away, you know, everything was to make the device less intrusive or less bulky or smaller. Or, But in this case, it's completely different. They're taking essentially what is in here, right? And they're doing the opposite. And for like, that's the part that I that disconnects from me. I'm like, they've spent the whole of their like existence built around this device and the success of it, and the fact that they can pit, pretty much now put like your entire work tools into here mm. and your everything into here, and now they want to take it out of here. And they want to put it on your face. <laughs> that does not make sense to me. Dude, because you would never get a job in the Apple marketing department. But here, but, but but hear me out on this because this having something with you isn't new. That's been you know you carry bags, you carry this, you carry that, right? But people carried suitcases, people carry briefcases. They've always carried things with them that they need, right? That's been forever. So people are used to the idea that if you're somewhere and you need something, you have it with you and you need to carry that somehow. But you can always put it down. You can take mm. a pair of glasses off. You can take a hat off. You're not limited by something where all of a sudden, like to just have a simple call, you need like a thing and strap it on your <laughs> face. And just it's like, make it tiny. Like, and so they're, they're like, this is what I don't, maybe this is the part where I say maybe I'm missing something because to me, the energy shouldn't necessarily be going into trying to reinvent the wheel in the sense that it's just about connectivity. But like what actually makes someone's life better? Now, mm. I don't think that that makes anyone's life better. I think that it does the opposite. I think that it disconnects you from the world and makes your life more isolated you could almost use the same same analogy with phones i mean with the, how how they've become but to, on your point there I, I think in a way that is how this is different to other products too in that like with all the other stuff they did you know the computer macbook air the iphone airpods these were all basically going into a market that was already established they weren't discovering anything new other than creating something better 
the people were already paying for, which is what really good every good business does. You know, it's really hard to create a whole new category out of nothing. But this, like, is the Oculus even successful? Like, I don't know anyone who's got one. I know people who bought one because it was pretty cheap to try it out. Right. So, like, are they, I mean, Apple is not someone who makes sort of gimmicky gaming equipment. Like, they're companies that make products for everyone, you know, billions of people. Like, like what, this is, that's why this is different because they're, they're not going into something and saying you've already got, like Microsoft don't really have, you know, they, they, they put something out like eight years ago, but like no one's using this Microsoft thing. Google don't even have one, I don't think. They're, they're going out there into a field where it's not really proven with a product that is like 10 times more over-engineered than anything else. And they're trying to create an entire ecosystem from scratch, which seems very different to everything they've done before. Well, and it's counterintuitive, right? Like what they did with the iPhone was genius. By having gesture-based, you know, controls, right, they made it possible for a kid to pick it up and use it. Like, mm. you know, that was the the whole thing, the, well, like how it changed the game, you know. And I think if I look at, you know, my kids in particular, like they're fine with that. Like they're, they're good, like, but they don't, they don't want to get any closer to the technology than they have to. Um, they know it's there, but they're more interested in going outside and running around and going to the beach. And that's good. My kids, like, not so much. My kids, <laughs> my kids would love this thing. I guarantee it. Yeah, and and maybe maybe that's what they're thinking. Maybe they're thinking that there's going to be a generation of kids that that's where they live their lives in these kind of headsets and like. Well, that's, that's not how, that's not really how that pitched it, is it? Like they've got the footage there of the parent with the thing on, as if this is something that is almost the antithesis to a VR headset, because you're still active and engaging with the world around you. And in many ways, like the AR format gives you everything the VR format gives you, but it also gives you the ability to interact with the world. So it almost, other, I mean, obviously, other than the price, it almost makes a VR headset obsolete because it's not the VR headset's not better in any way than this is it really not really huh? unless i suppose if you're sitting down you can plug it in it doesn't have a two-hour battery oh you can plug this thing in too though can't you i yeah. assume so i yeah i mean there'll be certain circumstances where the experience of something is enhanced by the immersiveness right mm. and then i think that there's but you can do that with ar too right because you can't actually see out of these ar thing it's just a setting that turns the cameras on and shows the images to you. Like you can't actually see through them. Right. So so the AR headset could very easily just be a VR headset as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. There's, um, it's interesting. Can you hear that buzzing coming through or not? I don't think so. Yeah, good. Someone's chainsawing outside my room. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not ideal <laughs> during a podcast. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I want to be positive about it, um, but there's just a lot of red flags for me in terms of the the, the human experience um, around mm. a product like this, which I don't know. I haven't really seen before or felt before when I've seen a product launched by Apple where I've thought like, oh, this isn't good. Yeah, yeah right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've always thought like, you know, make it smaller, make it less intrusive, make it less obvious great like that's that's a that's a win for you know how we use technology um 
And I think in this case, just even having a physical barrier over your eyes just does something weird to me. Not, I can't really put my finger on what it is. But isn't it also weird that like <clears throat> other people have brought out these, like Google had that Google Glass thing so many years ago. Mm. I guess that was only just like a prototype, but it was kind of like, that was like the end game then, wasn't it? And Snap, Snapchat had those, remember Snapchat had those oh, things yeah. as well? Yeah. What happened, what happened to all of those? Like, they've just gone away, haven't they? Because because I think people just take them off. Yeah. Like people don't, like, and if, if that's like, it's just not like, I don't know. There's just something that's funny about like that to me. And my mm. mate had a pair of those like Snapchat glasses. <laughs> like did a bunch of stuff like wore them to Melbourne. Like, like did like, you know, took it. Like I, I get it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, a year later, he's not using them or he's broken them or he's lost them and he can't bother replacing them. And it's like, yeah. it just isn't the same, I think, as like taking taking a briefcase and putting it into a phone like mm. that you that journey of like product makes sense um and like the, what what is what they're doing with this product is fucking ambitious i, I think that's all headset i mean it's, it's nuts right but to, then to think that then like they're going to be the the winners just because of the app store in a category that hasn't had any winners ever. Oh no, it's crazy. It's because you you're right, right? Like you think back to what Apple did with the phone category, like Nokia and Blackberry were dominating. They were massive companies. Dude, I had two smartphones before my iPhone. And I had them for two I had them for a year and a half each. So like probably 3 years before the iPhone came out, I had a proper smartphone with a stylus with Office with calendar, you know, with apps, all of that mm. stuff, like years before the iPhone. And it was, and the iPhone was just a way, way, way sexier version of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what this is. No. And and I like if you go back to Apple's like original thing, like Steve Jobs' vision of a, uh, a computer on every home or like on, you know, in every home, mm. Um it's still like if if you take that same thing and you know a, a device in everyone's pocket, then it's like a helmet on everyone's head. Like, not quite um, as. You, you reckon he'd turn in his grave? <laughs> I think you. I think he would. I like. I like. I think that. Like honestly, if Steve Jobs was here, he would be seriously questioning how much value this adds to a human experience because he looked at a lot of things through that lens. Yeah, he was a damn good marketer. Um, but the way he designed products was never about like what, how much tech he could pack into it. Like it just wasn't. It was yeah. like, make this easy for everybody. And yeah. that was like, that was why people used Macs over PCs because the user interface was so intuitive. They spent yep. hours agonizing over everything from like the, you know, the, the icon design to the way that things clicked to how they opened. Like everything was put through this lens of human interaction and, and user, user interface and user experience. And this seems to have just been not about that at all. It's mm. like, how much tech can we put into one product that does this like minority report-esque <laughs> thing without thinking about like the human side of it? 
Mm. Because a lot of those those examples that they've got in that video, like they they wouldn't actually happen. Like Yeah, I fucking hope not. The lady folding things on her bed wearing a thing, like why has she got it on in the first place? Yeah, like, well, like, yeah, but that's why I think for that's why I think for travel is the game changer. Like if you like because I, I drive everywhere, I don't commute, but if I let's just say you commute for an hour, or I'd say half an hour each way to work. So you commute for an hour in total, and then anytime you travel. To me, if you had these things, it would re- it replaces headphones, assuming they've got good sound, replaces headphones, replaces a computer. Um, so if you're traveling, you know, like if I'm traveling even for a couple of hours on a plane, I'll bring my headphones and I'll bring my laptop because I want a decent screen. This would re- replace both of those. So for that particular use case, and if, you, if you're commuting every day and you're using it for that, that's when you would start getting some pretty good value out of this thing, especially if it was like a thousand bucks. That's it. That's that's my that's my travel kit. Phone and AirPods. Beats Pro and a phone and co- yeah. sound quality out of these is nuts. But what's the price? But what's the price of that? Like you could you could I mean you're going to replace your phone, but you two hundred bucks and a thousand bucks. What's that? Twelve hundred bucks. I literally and it's small. It's like it's this big. Fits in my pocket. I like take it through the airport. I don't even carry. Like, I have no carry on when I travel. Yeah. I just put it in my pocket. I'm done. Yeah, that's fair. Like, enough. tell me how you can put more technology into a thing that is like this big that you've got to like put in a bag and like, and get out and, and put the battery on your in face. your pocket. That's weird too. Put like what the f- I, like that's that's where I'm just like I don't understand. Like, that's it. That's how big it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's like the the um, it's like the Tesla Model X of the category. It's like when it came out, it was it had this crazy gullwing doors. It was this massive SUV that could like go faster than a Lamborghini. Um, and in the end, what people wanted was like the Model Y, which was just a much smaller, simpler SUV that was basically the same thing, but half the price. And so this, this will be, they've already called it the Vision Pro. Like clearly the next thing they bring out, which I think would probably be quite a while off. Let's say the next thing they bring out is the vision whatever entry level and it's i don't know half the price i feel like it needs to be less than half the price though because it's still half the price is like two and a half grand aussie dollars That's and two- if it does and if it doesn't do the cool things that make it cool well but that, but that's the thing i think i think they put it out there well ahead of when people want it they figure out what developers do with it and then in the years that go past like with the model x I'm sure if they made that car again, they'd take those stupid doors out because they're so expensive and they're just kind of silly. And this, there'll be something similar with this. There'll, there'll be something in the product that's over-engineered, might be too big. Maybe the resolution on certain cameras doesn't need to be that big. Whatever it is, they'll figure out what those things out are, take those things out. Also, things will get cheaper over the time. And between those two things, they'll be able to come up with an entry-level product that's half the price that does all of the important things that this thing does, I think. And that's that's when it would be something... That I think a lot of people would consider buying. You remember those like Oakleys that came out that had the earbuds in them? <laughs> yeah. That's where I think they want to head, right? <laughs> right. But how they make all of that tech fit into a pair of these? You like, can't really, can you? Because it's got all these cameras facing out it's got all these eye trackers facing in it's got screens on both sides 
that have to be there. You can't fit all of that into something that looks like glasses. Not with technology we currently have. So whether yeah. they've got that alien technology that they found uh, that the US government just announced, uh, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden, like, there's got some, you know, alien screen that just has it all built into the nanoparticles of whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they're going to solve that tech problem. But I mean, it's not, you know, you never say never. Um, and you never want to discount anything that a company with a track record that Apple has does, but mm. I can't see them disrupting a, as you said, disrupting a category that is blowing up that all of a sudden requires a better product than what's currently out there. Mm. Apparently they all don't do anything. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. Like you said, it makes you nervous. Maybe what part of makes you nervous is the fact that the leading brand is doing this and maybe there's an argument to suggest that they're doing this because Facebook went so hard with the whole meta thing and the acquisition of Oculus, that could have led to Apple, you know, greenlighting this thing five years ago, like whenever they started, they've been working on this thing for a very long time. If the leading brand does it, then how are Google going to respond? How are Microsoft going to respond? All of a sudden, all of the major companies are going to be working on this one category. And so the whole computing thing is just going to shift in this direction, possibly because Zuckerberg got excited about VR like five years ago. That's a really good point, actually. I hadn't really considered that. Like, um, yeah, if you look at the timeline of when this sort of stuff has been touted, right? Like, you know, the, the VR headsets go back, I think there's examples of them like in the 70s and 80s, like mm. people doing experiments with it. Um, even, even HoloLens is like that was like eight years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and the, the Magic Leap, remember that one? That's the is that fake, still a thing, Magic Leap. The fake whale jumping in the thing that was all CGI. Did that? What happened to that company? Did they go? Uh, I think didn't they get bought by Google? Oh, 2016. HoloLens was 2016. So yeah, that's 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 seven years ago. Right. Yeah. But it goes back further than that. And oh so, yeah. I think you're right. I think there was maybe like a, when Facebook made that massive shift and just became meta and there was all of a sudden this COVID hangover of like work from home and mm. immersive workspaces and maybe it did, you know, maybe it did trigger something inside that Apple company to go, we're going to get out in front of this. And then, you know, they're, over 50% through this project and they're like, well, we can't stop it now. So exactly. we're kind of like, we better finish it. And this is <laughs> yeah. the result. And that's they've possible. Got like, maybe they've got like 10,000 units and they're like, right, to make our uh, investment in this back, we're just going to have to sell them for like 10x what the market rate is. And we're just going to be done at the end and just kind of like say nothing when it's all said and done. And just, oh, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? All right, let's make like a prediction because I want to watch, I want to look back at this in a year and see if we were right or wrong. So, so I'm going to say a year from now, I, I would say 18, 18 months from now, they'll have a product that's half as much and people that I know will have one. But until then, I won't know anyone who has one of these things and they'll move on to other things. What's your prediction? Um, I think they'll announce that in-between product sonar. I reckon they'll announce that within six months. Yeah. Right. Um. And then I think we see a long tail, kind of like Oculus did, right? Like it was 
two, three, four years before you saw any kind of decent applications, any kind of decent examples of like what you could do with it. And then um, if it starts in the workplace or in gaming, maybe there's a shot mm. um, of getting it into the home. But yeah, I think uh, it's going to be a, I don't know, a long journey. What about this? What about how long between now and when you personally see someone wearing one of these in public? When are they going? Are they, can you buy them now? Oh, no, that's a good point. I think I think next year they're coming out and they're coming out in America first. So, I mean, they may not even be out in Australia till the end of next year. Who knows? Um, I, like, I mean, I would expect, as, as soon as they go on sale, if you're traveling, I would expect that you will see one in an airport within a couple of weeks of them going on sale. Do you reckon just some dude just cruising around wearing one? Yeah, and I reckon they're pretty damn conspicuous. So <laughs> I think you'll uh, you'll notice it, right? It was like um, it was like when you first saw the first Tesla. You're like, oh, that's different, dude. I remember seeing the first guy on a mobile phone walking through the mall, and I am still confident to this day that he was pretending to be on the phone because he was just like overly like enthusiastic and like no one else had phones so i don't know who he would have been talking to and he's walking through the mall on this on this phone i'm like that dude's not even on the phone he's just been it and i thought this guy was just a dipshit but you know that's a while ago now <laughs> yeah i mean so that's an interesting point right like i'm i mean you remember when it was like the 90s right and everyone had those bluetooth kind of like earpieces like those real douchebaggy sales mm. dudes like now we're at airpods and they're kind of accepted right so maybe this is that in some way that we don't really understand, like, or that I don't understand at least. Um, well, AirPods is a good example because when they came out, I got the very first ones and I they've only just recently died. So whenever that was, that was like, I don't know, five years ago when they came out. Hmm. And the sentiment I recall at the time was that these things are way too expensive. They're stupid. They look ridiculous. And I've now had to go back to wired earphones because mine have just died. Mm. and it's horrible right like and and people couldn't see it at the time but like it's so shit having wide headphones um so it, this could be one of those things i mean every other time it has been one of those things like apple just had an intuition about this stuff that other people didn't have um but I, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna bet it's not but i do it reluctantly because they're fucking way smarter than me <laughs> i yeah I don't think it's going to be the consumer item that they have portrayed it as being. Um, but who the hell knows? Let's find out. A year from now, we'll look back and see how wrong we were. <laughs> I've been wrong plenty of times, so it won't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. We're going to go. It's a long-ass episode. I'm going to get this That's up. That's been a long one. All right, mate. Sounds Thank good. You. Have a good weekend. You too. Stay off your phone. Ha 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 ha, last one. <laughs>